0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Famalist podcast. We have now reached the semi-finals at this slightly weird French Open being played in October, but uh, it has definitely not failed to entertain. I'm joined by Marcus Ali, as always.
1: Good morning guys, I um, hope you're enjoying the French Open as much as we are. Yeah, thanks for having me Michael, just really excited into talking about the results that we've seen in the last few days and uh, yeah, looking ahead to the business end of the tournament.
0: So we will start with the men's draw, which uh, we saw the quarterfinals being played after over the last couple of days and uh, semi finals tomorrow. Uh, we'll go through it sort of chronologically. So we'll start with the uh, Nadal Schwartzmann semi final, which has been set up. Uh, Nadal got through uh, a really tough quarterfinal, actually, although it was straight sets, uh, against 19 year old Yannick Sinner of Italy, uh, who really pushed Nadal in the first couple of sets. I think it was a shame to see Nadal run away with the third one so easily. Um, so we'll just start with Nadal. Uh, Marcus. I, I won't ask you if you've been impressed with the because I know the answer is going to be yes. But um, what did you think of that quarterfinal?
1: Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, probably my favourite match of the tournament so far, or the, f- the first set anyway, because I did uh, kind of fall asleep midway through the second or towards the end of the second. But that first set was awesome. I mean, it was so competitive. Sinner, I mean, Sinner had him, really. You know, he served for the set at six five. And you know, really live live with Nadal, and Nadal was playing some great tennis. There were some epic rallies, and um, no, it just really showed how good Sinner can be. I mean, I've said this to you in the week. I do think he's maybe the most complete player that we've seen at this age. Uh, just the his ability to mix it up, really. You know, he's not a huge server, but he can be very accurate. I noticed even uh, in in that first set in particular, he didn't get many of his first serves in, but a lot of his second serves were really good for a second serve like they were testing Nadal It wasn't just playing it easy and just floating it over to get on with the point so big kudos to sinner on this match he definitely comes away despite the straight sets loss with more plaudits than than he did going into it and um yeah that first set they were both, he was living with Nadal brilliantly and you could say he definitely should have taken the first set and he, he went to an early break up in the second before obviously losing it 6-4 but no that was by far my most enjoyable sort of exchange of the tournament so far, seeing seeing Nadal getting tested finally. Although, you know, he is an absolute machine and he came through that test in flying colours in the end.
0: Yeah, I agree in the sense of it was a really impressive week for Yannick Sinner. I will just take the opportunity now to mention that in our first poll at the French, I said Yannick Sinner would get to the quarterfinals and beat Alexander Zverev in the fourth round. And, uh, Yeah, it's one of my predictions that came off right. So I'll just plug that there. Um, Yeah, no, I completely agree that Sinner played some fantastic shots. There was one particular shot, I can't remember which set it was. I want to say it was the first set, but it might have been the second, um, where Sinner had this backhand volley and it was sort of too high for him to smash. He could only really get a little bit on it. And he angled it so perfectly that it actually ended up hitting Nadal's bench at the side before Nadal could get to it, which I don't think I've ever seen before. I don't think I've ever seen a ball actually hit uh, the chair of another player before uh, having its second bounce. Um, yeah, really fantastic shot from Sinder. And I, I know what you're saying about the, um, the fact that he could be one of the, the most all-round players we've seen at that age. I always hesitate to sort of say these things. Myself because I feel like I've said similar things about Alexander Zverev and and Stefanos which of course they're you know still doing really well and and probably will go on and win slams. Tsitsipas has got a a really good chance and will go on to later doing very well this week. But um yeah I I do always hesitate a little bit just because of the sort of rain we've had of the big three and they have suppressed so many of these sort of surging young players coming up. The likes of sort of Dimitrov, Milos Ryanich uh, perhaps that's sort a of mixed generation in the middle, uh, that missed generation, I beg your pardon, um, in the middle. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to jump too early um, on saying that, but I do think from what we've seen from Sinner uh, this week has been really impressive. As, as Adal, same old at the French, um, never ceases to amaze, uh, had a not the best week in Rome the week before. Uh, where he he lost quite comfortably to Diego Schwartzman, who he's going to play in this semi-final, but um, him at the French is is just a different animal. Um, so we'll move on to Diego Schwartzman now, uh, who has made his first ever Grand Slam semi-final. Uh, he'd only ever made one quarter-final uh, before this, which was last year's French. So he's, he's got a good record at the French. Um, standing at only five foot six. He beat Dominic Thiem in a five-set epic. That was 7-6, 5-7, 6-7, 7-6, 6-2. It was actually the first match Dominic Thiem has ever played over five hours, uh, which is, is quite a surprising stat to me because obviously he's been on the Grand Slam scene for, for a good few years now, um, despite still being quite young. Um, but yeah, no, fantastic win for Schwartzman. Um potential argument the team didn't quite have a lot left he had a a very difficult fourth round against Hugo uh, Gaston of France who really ran him around the court he played about 50 to 60 drop shots in the whole match it was a really bizarre match of tennis to watch and um, so I think team even admitted in his press conference afterwards that um, he he was feeling a little bit on the edge I think was the term that he used um, mentally and physically so I think he was quite acceptant that Schwarzman was probably the, the, the right man to, to go through this match.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously I was disappointed to see my pick to win the championships go out. Um, but, you know, it's hard to be annoyed when someone that we definitely like watching so much in Diego Schwarzman goes on to make his first Grand Slam semi- semi-final. And, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. It was definitely deserved, um, you know, an incredible effort to battle for that long. You know, three tie breaks in the match. I think every set apart from the last one was comfortably over an hour. Um, so, you know, you, they really had to fight for every point. This was arguably where where I was saying Sinanadol first set was my favourite of the tournament. This has to be the match of the tournament so far for me, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I the first sportsman to come through it, just a, a little shock just adds a little extra nugget into that that epic, epic, epic spectacle of a game that it was. And how do I think that Diego Schwartzman will go on against Rafael Nadal? I think it's a very mouthwatering encounter after Sportsman obviously beat him in Rome. And he's one of the foreign players on the tour at the moment. Um it'll be hard hard to write him off. I do think he can get a set in this if he can have the belief and the you know the desire the determination that he showed against Team I definitely think there might be a dip in level from Rafa at some point. Um, maybe often it's uh, only sort of 10-15 minutes and not long enough for him. Sorry, uh, not long enough so that he can still recover and and come back in the set. However, against Sportsman, it is a you'd have to say a higher quality player than Yannick Sinner at the moment. And um, yeah, I, I did say originally that I thought. A team Nadal semi-final might be might be a closer match, but no, I'm still very enthusiastic about the prospects. Schwartzman pushing Nadal in this one.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, just looking at the the Nadal Schwartzman semi, I mean, it could be a really intriguing counter. Um, the head-to-head record is quite grim for Schwarzman, though he won that last game. Uh, that last match, I beg your pardon, in Rome just two weeks ago. He's 9-1 down to Nadal was his first ever win uh, in 10 matches. But I do guess maybe it is the best time for him to play Nadal because on all of those other matches, he he would have been going in knowing he'd never got that win against Nadal. Whereas now he's going in knowing that he'd been in two two weeks ago and it might give him a lot more confidence. They've played in those 10 matches, they've played uh, four times at Grand Slams. Uh, and he's Swarton's actually got a set-off Nadal in two of those matches. He got a set-off Nadal at the Australian Open in 2018, and uh, he then got a set-off Nadal at the French Open in 2018. I believe he was the only man that tournament to actually win a set-off of Rafael Nadal. So, you know, he's done, in, in that respect, he's done what other players couldn't do in that tournament, and at least challenged Nadal. Um so yeah, I I do think it is a it's a very interesting encounter. Nadal's not lost a set at the French uh, this this year. Um, Schwartzman's only lost those two to Dominic Thiem. He went through in straight sets in all his other matches, albeit uh, hadn't played a seeded player before team. Important to mention though that as dominant as Rafael Nadal has been, he hasn't actually come up against a seeded player yet in his five matches that he's played. Uh, he's played a qualifier, he's played a player using a protected ranking, uh, and and then he's just played three other unseeded players, and that's not to take the quality away from them. I mean, Sinner was one of those unseeded players, and we all know that he's probably a little bit better than that. But, um, yeah, potentially Nadal hasn't been put through the paces yet as much as he should have, whereas Schwarzman has in that last match, and it might benefit Schwarzman going
2: forward.
1: Yeah. Also, I think Schwarzman's got a few more matches under his belt since lockdown. Obviously, Rafa hasn't played as much, Get uh, not getting involved in that hard court swing we had just before um, these tournaments. So that might be something to add. Um, like I think I might have said to you during the Sinner versus Nadal match that should he actually get pushed to a deep in a fourth set or a fifth set, will he be able to handle it physically? Um obviously not been playing in so long, and the injury record that Nadal has had over the years uh, in the the French Opens that he has won in recent years. I can't remember him being pushed that far in one particular match. He kind of has just blasted through the whole of the rest of the field. I can't even remember him destroying Stan Wawrinka in in one final. Um, So, yeah, if he can get pushed, then it'll be interesting to see physically. Obviously, Djokovic has had his had his woes physically and uh, had the trainer on a lot in his last match against Pablo Carreno Busta. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're both over sort of 32 now in the twilight of their careers. If a younger player like Schwarzman or Sitsipas can get a set or two, um, it will definitely get very interesting and make us look a um, a lot more likely that we might get a brand new Grand Slam champion in this event.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right in a sense when you say Nadal hasn't been pushed massively at the French. Uh, he's won a lot of matches very easily. I think he, the last time he he was pushed was uh, in that final last year when he played Dominic Team. He lost the second set to but then he did win sets three and four, 6-1, six, 6-1. One, six, one. So, yeah, Nadal, very used to breezing past players, so maybe if Schwartzmann can take, Uh, The first set, it it could be a a really interesting tie. Um, So you touched upon the other semi-final there, so we'll move on to that. And this is the semi-final that I'm probably looking forward to most. Um, Not that I'm writing Schwarzman off, but I I do think that one in my eyes is easier to call. Uh, Djokovic, who seemed to have a little bit of an injury problem yesterday against Kronibus, did struggle a little bit, uh, losing that first set. He managed to get through. But he, he didn't look his best. He'll be playing Stefan and Tsitsipas, the fifth seed. Uh, they have quite a close head-to-head. 3-2 uh, to Djokovic over their five meetings. And four of those came at Masters 1000s events. So at quite big stages anyway. And they're two all across uh, those two events. Never played at a Grand Slam. Uh, which I, I don't know no, I don't know don't if that does surprise me. Because I guess Tsitsipas hasn't been on, on the scene too long. Um, but Tsitsipas did boast a 2-1 lead over Djokovic until their last two matches. Um, Djokovic has only lost one set, uh, which was that one to Pablo Cronibista. Other than that, he just flew through his other matches. um, Wasn't challenged massively in his first three rounds, but um, was given a really tough match, a tough fourth rounder against Karen Hatchinov, who I watched this game and I said to you, Marcus, it's one of the... Best I've seen a player play, but not actually get a set in in respect to Hatchenoff. He um he really really did push Djokovic. He broke him I think two or three times in the match. Um he, he didn't make it easy for Djokovic at all and played some fantastic stuff. But Djokovic was phenomenal. Um but of course that was before last night when he did have his injury problems. Uh, Sizapas actually lost the first two sets of this tournament to Haume Munar. Uh, but since then, has won every single set he's played, uh, has come through against the 18th seed and the 13th seeds in the last two rounds in Grigor Dimitrov and Andre Rublev. And I think that's the pass win over Rublev yesterday, 7-6, 6-2, 6-3. This is against a Rublev who's having the year of his career, you know, the pandemic suspension aside... Uh Rublev, when he has played, has been absolutely quality um, and was on a big winning streak anyway because he won in Hamburg last week on the clay and he beat Sitsapas in the final of that tournament. Uh, Sitsapas didn't even give him a look in yesterday. Uh, quite a comfortable win. So, um, yeah, interesting match this one. I think... Um, I I can't see this being straight sets. I could I could easily see this being a five set match. I'm not going to lie. I, I think I think I'm going to say it'll be a five set match.
1: I said similar about his uh, quarter final with Andre Rublev. I think on the poll that uh, we put up on at Tennis Fan on Twitter, I went for a past to win in five, and he ended up breezing past Rublev, which came as a surprise and really. Um, just made me have to consider Sitsipas as a, a lot stronger player looking at this matchup now. I think it's hard to tell with Djokovic just how much that injury is hampering him. I think we've seen him go on to really win grand slams, not looking 100%. Um, just, that just sums up what an incredible player he is. Um, but yeah, really struggled in that first set against Karina obviously losing it 6-4, as you mentioned. Um, had the trainer on maybe twice or three times inside the first couple of sets. Um, it was like his left arm, I think. Uh, so he was struggling a lot more in the matches that he was serving, it looked like. And it was quite hard to watch at times. I was kind of thinking that if he stayed at the same physical state, Corona Buster could have won that match. But, you know, he dug in and uh, found the way, as he always does. And, but, you know, coming up against Sitsapas, will he get that chance? You know, if he's, if he's struggling for, say, an hour, that could be two sets gone. Against a player of the quality of Sitsipas, so it's a very interesting matchup. Obviously, I hope that Djokovic is um, can can be fully fit. Just it just makes it better as a as a spectacle. Um, but no, definitely a, an interesting one. And um, yeah, you, you never really know with Djokovic what what what, uh, what side of the injury is going to come out. Usually, usually it'll be all right. But um, I'm not sure. Knowing that even if he goes through to the final to face Nadal, he wouldn't be favourite have to be a another onslaught if he is going to somehow win this French Open. Um, maybe that would hit his motivation a bit. I'm not sure. I mean, but yeah, I do agree with you. It is the more enticing match. And uh, yeah, Sitsapas loves it on the clay and I'm sure he'll believe in himself that he can make the final.
0: Yeah, no, um, I completely agree with you there. I think Sitsapas, uh, as you say, his win against Rubloid was fantastic. And and as much as people might like to see Sitsapas win this uh, to see a new grandson find this. I think people really do want Djokovic to be at full fitness, which I, I hope he would be. He's got a day's recovery. It it didn't look like a a major injury. I mean, he he was having problems with it. It was hard to know what exactly it was. It sort of seemed to be his left bicep, but he also had a sort of plastering around his neck. Um, so I'm not sure what the what exactly it was, but um, ho- hopefully it's just was a, a little problem on the day and hopefully he can just sort of shake it off for a couple of days. So I think it's about predictions time uh, for our semi-finals. Uh, I am going to say Rafa Nadal in straight sets. I think Schwarzman definitely has a chance of pushing him, but um, I'm going to say Nadal to win it in straight. And uh, since past Djokovic, I feel that I've got to go Djokovic because uh, my other big call in my predicted draw was Djokovic to beat Nadal in the final. And though I think that Djokovic-Nadal final is now maybe looking a little bit more in favour of Nadal, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to say Djokovic to win it in, to win against Tsitsipas. I know I've just said it's going to be five sets. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go Djokovic in five.
1: Fair enough. Interesting calls. Um I'm going to say Djokovic in four and Nadal in four. I think Schwartzman and Sister pass are just too good of players to get rolled over. Um, you know, Diego's in the in the form of his life, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to see some great tennis. But yeah, um, the top two seeds are going to win in four for me.
0: Okay, interesting positions. We've gone for the same winners, but uh, different scorelines. So uh, we will move on to the women's draw now, uh, with the semi-finals being played today. Um, and one very interesting semi-final, which we'll start with, uh, as it's the, the first match being played, um, which is Iga Switek of Poland. Uh, she's only nineteen years old, so massive occasion for her. Uh, she's coming up against Nadia Podorowska of Argentina. Uh, who's only 23 herself. Uh, she's ranked 131st uh, to get to a Grand Slam semi final. Very impressive. Uh, I'm just reading before this that uh, Podorovska actually won uh, a title in San Mello uh, just before she went into the qualifying draw of the French Open. So she's actually on a 13-match winning streak. So I think though she'll probably be considered the underdog against wetech who uh, just absolutely butchered the favourite, Simona Halep, in, uh, I think that was the fourth round. Vogue um, Sweetek probably favourite in that respect, someone on a 13-match winning streak, I think there's got to be a danger to anyone. You've you surely got to be on a massive high from uh, winning 13 matches in a row in just the last couple of weeks. So I think Polaroska's going to really fancy herself. Um, but Swiatek uh, hasn't lost a set yet. Beating uh, Halep, as I said, I think that was 6 1, 6 2, major shock. Also, coming through in straights against uh, Eugenie Bouchard before that. Um, and then, yeah, um, and she beat Trezavan who were uh, in the quarterfinal, who had stunned the fifth seed, Bertons, uh the, the round before. Podorovska has dropped two sets on the way to this uh, semi final, but she did uh, absolutely thrash as well. Uh, the third seed Alina Svitolina in the quarterfinal so fantastic result for her so I think two women here that you definitely wouldn't have expected to get to the semi-final but have really uh shown why they they should be here in 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 their weeks and and for in the last few weeks.
1: Yeah it's important to say as well I think that um Podoroska also has uh, youth on her side only at 23, but still ranking at 131. So it's uh, quite mind-blowing that you see that kind of ranking in a semi-final. For me, I've got to go with Iga Sviatek. um, You know, she's bursting onto the scene at 19. She's 53 in the world as well. But yeah, I mean, it's nice to see another youngster come through, obviously in the the absence of Bianca Andreescu at the moment, a player looking very exciting. Already a Grand Slam champion who can... uh, really kick on in the women's game. So Sviatek for me in this one, Um, I'll go straight sets. I mean, she's been pretty (laughs) clinical so far in the tournament. You know, I'm not sure if she has even dropped a set. No, she hasn't. She's won every game in straight sets and also taken out some bigger names in Von Drusheva and uh, Halep, obviously, um, compared to Podoroska for me. So, yeah, I'll have to go eager Sviatek to make the final in this one. I'll go straights.
0: I'll agree with you, but I'll go in three sets. Just I feel that someone on a 13-match winning streak and who's just beaten Alina Svitolina 6-2, six, six, I feel she's in too good too good a form to uh, drop a set. And I know it's new ground for both of them, but I do think that four years extra that Polaroska has on tech, um might be valuable. Uh, yes, she's lower ranked, but it's four. Four extra years, and I think at that age it is quite big, you know, for a 19-year-old to be playing a Grand Slam semi. And also, I think what's really interesting is she's a 19-year-old playing a Grand Slam semi that she's expected to win, which I think must be a lot more pressure for her. Because normally, if you're a 19-year-old and you're going into a stage that late in a Grand Slam, you're just expected to go out, play your best against someone who's expected to beat you, but this is a Grand Slam semi-final, her first one that uh, she's expected to win. So yeah, I'm going to go Switek, but I'm going to go for three sets. So yeah, just moving on to the last semi-final uh, of the French Open uh, and the second one of the women's draw. Uh, a little bit more of, maybe not an expected semi-final, but a uh, seeded players coming through the draw. Um, the seventh seed, Petra Kvitova, uh, faces the fourth seed and the Australian Open champion, uh, Sofia Kenin. Uh, Kvitova actually has a two-love lead over Kenin on the head-to-head, uh, but both of those matches were before Kenin uh, really burst on uh, and, and won the Australian Open earlier this year, so perhaps was the underdog in, in those matches. Um They've had very different routes to this final, which is very interesting. Uh, Kvitova not dropped a set. Um, comfortable quarterfinal, 6-3, 6-3 against Laura Siegmund. But uh, Kenin has made the Grand Slam semi, but she's only actually had one straight set's victory. She's uh, come through in three sets in four of her five matches so far. Um, a tough quarterfinal saw her against Danielle Collins they both won a set 6-4 and then Collins had some medical treatment and, and wasn't really able to compete in the third set and losing it 6-love uh so yeah very different paths for these two players to to get to the uh semi-final um Kennen's first semi-final at the French Open and Covitch's first semi-final at the French Open since 2012 um but yeah, interesting one. Uh, what do you think on this one, Marcus? It's
1: quite hard to call, I think, particularly. It looks very even. Um, obviously, you, you speak of the two-love head-to-head record for Kvitova. Also, 2-1 Kvitova in terms of Grand Slam titles, however, both of hers coming at Wimbledon. Um, I didn't actually realise Kennin was only 21. Uh, so, Kvitova's got nine years on her, which could play for a lot might not a very interesting one I'd have to edge towards Petra Kvitova I think maybe that's just vi- bias of uh, me seeing her play brilliantly at Wimbledon um, over the years and I haven't seen as much of Kenin. Um however you know she won the Aust- Australian Open title this year and Kavita hasn't won a Grand Slam for six years so it's very even, I think. I Probably, yeah, I'm just going to edge towards Kvitova. I'll go Kvitova in, in three sets. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be close. None of them have uh, yeah, made a French Open final before, I don't think. So, yeah, very interesting match-up. I'll go Kvitova in three.
0: Yeah, I'm going to continue the trend. I'm going to go for the same winner, but I'm going to go Kvitova in two. I think Kenin having lost... Uh, four sets on the way to the spiral is going to be a lot more tired than Kvitova. Kvitova has breezed for every match, really. Um, but it is important to note that Kenin has only ever been past the quarterfinal, uh, well, has, has only ever reached the quarterfinal stage at uh, one Grand Slam in her career, and that's the one that she won. So she's never lost at this stage in a Grand Slam. So it's it's hard to know. Maybe she will have... a. That real grit and determination, but I'm going to go for Kvitova in two. So yeah, that uh, sort of wraps up uh, looking at the men's and the women's singles draws uh, with the semi-finals coming up. Uh, All all four really interesting semi-finals, which could prove to be very close matches. Uh, We're going to go on to guess the player in the next part.
1: Yeah, so my turn this time around and let's hope Michael can do a little bit better than last time I gave him a generous seven or eight clues for uh, Casparoon. uh So the first clue vague as always as per usual is he's 24 years old. Okay, so quite a young player.
0: Um so but not a next gen. And, and next gen's only really been in the last few years, so probably never would have been in the sort of next gen bracket. Um, I don't know, actually. Next gen has been going a few years now, so they might have, next gen's 21 down. So they might have just... Um, let's go for Hyun Chung. Interesting choice.
1: Yeah, I do miss Hyon Chung. What an amazing player he was at that Australian Open. Um, yeah, get well soon. Get back to your best, Chung. But uh, he is not, guess, the player this week. The second clue is that this player has won three 250 titles in their career. Uh, they came in Switzerland, Hungary and Germany.
0: OK. Um, just quickly, away from that, when you say Chung, when I was making that point earlier on Sinner and I said I was cautious to, to say uh, a teenager would, would go on and, and, and be the most rounded player, uh, I think Chung is a prime example of where that mistake might have been made before, albeit he has had a lot of injury problems. Three titles, Switzerland, Hungary, and Germany. So the only tournament in Hungary is the Budapest one. That's on clay. Germany. Switzerland, you've got to sort of the Basel, Geneva, there's Geneva and Switzerland. Uh there might be the only two tournaments played in Switzerland and then there's there's probably a host of tournaments played in Germany Um, we'll go for
2: um, Karen Hatchinoff
1: good guess but uh, incorrect the third clue is he made the ATP tour finals as a 23 year old despite never qualifying for the next gen finals
0: Okay, so I should get this then. Um, wait, can you just say that again? So he he played at the O2 as a 23-year-old?
1: Yeah, but he never qualified for the next-gen finals, despite being eligible for it once.
2: Hmm. Okay, that's interesting. So...
0: Is Berrettini young? I think he is fairly young. Uh, Berrettini has played at one ATP Tour finals. That was last year. I think that I think that was as like a sort of replacement for a player. I don't think he actually came top eight. I think he was nine. Um, I think Berrettini is about
2: that age. Yeah, Matteo Berrettini.
1: Yeah, correct. Well, in. Get in. I think he was actually number eight. I don't think he was a replacement. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you could be right. I know we've had a couple of... I know Pablo Creno busta went in as a replacement once, and I think he was about 10. So, Yeah, the last couple of clues were going to be on basically how Berrettini's had a very poor year compared to last year. Um, he's still mm. only a number one. Obviously.
0: He's still looking on track to qualify this year, though, isn't he? No, he's
1: 217 in the year-to-date rankings. Verrettini? Yeah, he's the 17th Italian.
0: Okay. Because uh, you know that screenshot I sent you yesterday of the uh, the rankings with the... I'm going to find this. It must be... Yeah, that was
1: just the current rankings, I think.
0: Was that just... But then he wouldn't be that high up on the current rankings and that low on the year to date. But because
1: they've changed the ranking system, haven't they? Because people haven't been able to defend points. Of course, of course, yes. Berrettini on.
0: I'm confused then. Are these rankings? I've sent you the rate. I'm I'm pretty sure they're the race to London rankings,
1: though. No, they're not. But what? it's
0: got the ticks next to the players who have qualified. Well, and, there's
1: no rub, There's no rub living there. Is there?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's weird that I don't know why they've done that anyway. Point is, I got it. I didn't realize he was that bad this year, though. Has
1: he been injured? The
0: 17th best
1: Italian player this
2: year. Wow, trying to think who I'm
0: trying to think who the best would be.
1: You won't guess that either, would I not? Luca Magere is the number one Italian player (laughs) this year. Is it actually? I was
0: going to go for, like, Senega or Caruso. Um, but, yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, well, that was a, a good guess of player. I don't think I... Well, as you say, I wouldn't have got it on the um, the fourth clue. What was the fifth clue? Uh,
1: yeah, just year-to-date, 217. 17. Italian. Fourth clue was he's just... I was just going to say he's his country's number one. Uh, okay, so, yeah, to be honest, I think... The third clue was
0: probably the most helpful one to me there. I possibly would have got it on the country's number one. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise Berrettini was having such a bad year. Anyway, uh, that has been your Tennis families podcast today. Um, we definitely will be back before the end of the tournament. So uh, listen out and uh, enjoy the rest of the tennis. Thank you for joining me, Marcus. Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks for listening. See you later. See you later, everyone.